in and then I'm out and then I'm in and then I'm out. I'm and it's like I'm an orgy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I know Cassini, you had some thoughts about her time in, in Aiden. Yeah, I just like this is the first time that we see Yennefer not hungry for power. It's the you know, the king sitting on top of the hill looking out over his kingdom and he's like, I've got everything that I want in life and I am still not satisfied, question mark. And watching Yennefer start to kind of have to wrestle with the fact that she's lived centuries being a royal asswiper, um, you know, realizing that the grass isn't necessarily greener on the other side. And you get this kind of glimpse. It's, it's the, the scene with the baby honestly like her rushing back to the beach and her starting to kind of wrestle with her moral code a little bit that really really struck me you know i love a good redemption story that's why i jumped in for xena oh yeah the idea of yennefer relinquishing for a moment it's only for a brief moment but questioning like oh has everything i've done like was it worth it is it really worth it like it's I don't think it's as worth it as I thought it would be. Victory doesn't taste as sweet because there is nobody here of there's nobody here that I want to share that with. And I I wasn't gonna go here with this because yeah. I but I, I wonder if that's part of what scares her so much about Geralt is that once they meet for a brief moment, it's like, oh, and here's a picture of a life that maybe I could have had and my choices have fucked that up. You see Again, it's just this sense of a reverberation of every decision that she's ever made, every ruthless cut, every backstabbing moment culminating. And she looks at this baby on the shore and is just like, this could have been so different. What Mm -hmm. have I done? I think it really speaks to, again, like this idea of normalizing making decisions that you end up regretting because you didn't understand the gravity of the situation. And I think that all this time she has grasped for and wanted power and respect and appreciation. But what she wasn't realizing is how temporary all of that is. Yeah. And she is a very big picture kind of thinker and somebody who really believes in a lasting impact. And I think that she couldn't see the forest for the trees. She really didn't realize that, yes, all of this power and all of this, uh, you know, beauty and all of these men, yes, it will give me happiness now. But what is most important to me really is what am I leaving behind? Like if I were to die the power isn't still there. It just dissolves. Interesting. I don't ever, I don't see Yennefer considering the end of her life really at all until she's like, I have milked every last drop out of it towards the end. She's like, I'm fucking done because there's nothing left for me here. Like up until her being like resigning to, I've milked this existence for everything it's worth. I don't know that I see her like, what am I leaving behind for when I'm gone? Because I don't think she ever really consciously ever plans on being gone. At least at this point when she's on the beach. Yeah, I think Aiden is the start of that process mm-hmm. for her, I think. I think it's it's like, it's, okay, to your point, like, it's like, hey, we've got all this power and there's nobody here to share it with. And it's like a little bit of like, what brought her back? Because that's something that I always found super interesting about that scene. She she left. She dipped and left that mom and baby and she was gone. 
and then came back like at this last split second to try to save the baby and failed. And I'm wondering if it's the time she spent wrestling with that, if she, because I don't think she planned to do it. I really do think she portaled out, was like, okay, bye. And then was like, fuck, but we don't get to see her in that moment. I love that they don't show us mm-hmm. Yennefer in those few seconds between when she leaves and when she comes back. Like, I really want to see that moment for her but i think it's really cool that they left it kind of up in the air but it's like is it a maternal instinct and is that something she ever considered for herself because she spent so long growing up isolated unloved and the only thing that you could do was get mean and get more powerful to defend yourself and at that point it's like okay well now i don't have to just defend myself now i can take what i am owed and what belongs to me but you never really see her start to consider that maybe she could be important to somebody until like that moment, that soft moment where she's like, hey, I'm the only one here with you at the end of your very short life. And she tries to impart the wisdom that she's learned, like in kind of a motherly fashion in that moment. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's like one of my favorite kind of soliloquies throughout this entire series, which there are a few um, where she essentially she has the baby. What what happens is Queen Callis or Kalis or again, doesn't matter. She's dead. Um, she can only produce female heirs, so which is definitely the woman's fault and not the guy's oh, fault. Oh, absolutely! Science, yes. The and history of women being executed for men not having enough fucking Y chromosomes in the jizz. I love it. I love that they kept up with that theme here too. Were you in the group that when we discussed that? And uh, no, because we we talked about it on an episode that we did on Outlander. Ah, uh, yeah. Allie brought forth this whole scientific like exodus of knowledge into my brain and like why women who have a miscarriage once can like often have more miscarriages and it has to do with like the blood type and i'm like what the fuck like this is not all new knowledge to me and i thought i was pretty decently knowledgeable about Mm -hmm. this shit um but kind of going back i mean she she can't produce a male heir so her husband the king sends an assassin to kill her and they have to jump through these portals and essentially Yennefer has to try to protect her. And in the end, she basically turns to Yennefer and is like, you horrible, useless bitch. Like, how could you not see this coming? This is all your fault. And Yennefer's just like, all right, well, if that's the attitude that you're going to have, take care of yourself. Peace out. I'm done. Like, I'm not going to be disrespected. This is literally what I've been fighting for and my whole life. It's not the is fact that they put her in danger. It's the fact that they disrespect, like, she disrespected her. It's like, you were literally just a fucking royal sow breed mare. Like, yes, how exactly. are you going to talk to me like that? And then she's like, but that's not the baby's fault. Fuck. Like, well, and I think that what Callis or Kayla said in the beginning actually really resonated her because the first one of the first things that we hear her say is that I'm just a womb to him. And then we hear Yennefer and she says to the baby, cause she, she goes back and she saves the baby. But when she portals through again, she's portaled through essentially like into the hit, sea. When she takes a hit going through the portal. And right. I think like it's implied that like that hit went through her and tagged the baby. I thought like the baby was dead on arrival. Oh, see, I thought that it was the, like when she, portaled them into the sea that maybe that the baby drowned i don't know maybe maybe you're you're right i i'm not very good at reading battle scenes so um but she essentially she has the baby the baby is dead and she literally is is sitting there with it and she says i'm sorry you didn't have a life but truth be told you're not missing much i know it's easy for me to say with warm breath in my lungs and you with nothing but what would you have had? Parents, they're the ones who wrote your last act, so not much loss there. Friends, most likely fair weather. 
Lovers, fun for a bit, I'll admit, but I'll eventually disappoint. And let's face it, you're a girl. We're just vessels. And even when we're told we're special, as you would have been, we're still just vessels for them to take and take until we're empty and alone. So count yourself lucky. You cheated the game and won without even knowing it. I was going to say, I found that so interesting that, like, women are, like, the way that Yennefer has viewed the world all of these centuries is whether it's a baby, whether it's power, women are vessels and extensions for men's egos. Mm -hmm. I just, I found that super fascinating how they had a lot more in common than they realized, even though they had the thing, queen doesn't matter, she's dead, and (laughs) Yennefer had the thing that the other wanted and yet still were resigned to the same fate because of fucking vaginas. And Queen Callus was even, like, jealous of her. Like, she says, like, I'm jealous that you get to, like, you know, be respected and people, you know, appreciate you for your power. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but Yennefer knows, like, yeah, they appreciate me for my power. That's all they care about. They don't care about me. They don't care about myself. They just care about yeah. that. And I think Yen knows that, like, I wouldn't be getting the respect out of hand the way that I would if I didn't look like this. I think she knows there's a lot of enchantment that goes to, like, yeah, I command power on an immediate viewing, and that makes it so I don't have to make up the ground to convince you that I can do my job later. Well, and I think that is intentional on Eretusa's part. Like, I think that that was built into the system. Honestly, like, I could do a whole episode just talking about, like, the structure of Eretusa and how it's, like, built to churn out powerful badass fucking women but you know to get that foot in the door like men Mm -hmm. have to start listening to you in the first place for you to start whispering in their ear right and people have said that like i've seen in articles online which i actually didn't use any articles to research this episode i just straight up watched it um but i've i've seen in some articles that i've looked at in the past where people have said, oh, well, like, it's almost like another, you know, ugly girl becomes pretty and gets everything she wants. Kind but of it's not. It, like, no, it, absolutely not. Yeah, she, the things that she thinks she wants is not what she actually wants. I think at the core of Yennefer, what she wanted was acceptance. And acceptance mm-hmm. takes a lot of different forms. Sometimes acceptance does look like being revered and powerful. Sometimes it looks like being desired. Sometimes it looks like having one person who sees you for who you are. And depending on what you've experienced earlier, that shapes kind of what acceptance you think is going to make you feel the most like yourself. And watching Yennefer kind of journey through getting what she thought was what she wanted and realizing, ooh, maybe not. Yeah, this is not a Cinderella story happily ever after. This is someone who has gotten the the dress and gone to the ball and realized the ball is actually really fucking boring. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I think to your point about the acceptance and like kind of the intimacy that she just doesn't have because she was never exposed to that. She had it with Istrid and then he betrayed her and almost cost her what she thought at the time was actually the goal. It's like what she had when she had what she actually will come to want at the moment wasn't what she actually wanted because she didn't realize that was the ultimate end all be all goal. It's like she had that intimacy and that love with somebody for who she actually was, somebody who wanted her back. And there was a betrayal in there and, you know, she did it vice versa. So it's like, you're both kind of assholes. That's fine. We can probably talk through that. (laughs) But like that was so tied up in the only like 
physical, emotional intimacy she's ever had with another person was laced with that betrayal. So she was like, fuck it, power it is, and leaned into that for essentially a lifetime. Yeah. And like, was just like, oh, never mind. Like, fuck. Well, and so I need somebody to love me and like cool romantic love doesn't do it. And I think between that and the baby scene on the, is where she starts feeling, oh, okay, maybe like a child will be like that intimacy. That's a bond that you can't really fuck with. And like, they will love me and I will love them. And it's unquestionable. And again, I think that's just is where we kind of see like, like that's where I almost like disagree with you that I think that yeah. this whole time she has been trying to build a legacy like this is the this is like the pivotal moment where she is just like I fucking know what it's like I know what it's like to be nothing and to be irrelevant I want to leave behind a legacy of pride and I want to leave the world essentially she wants to leave the world better than what she found it which is in the form of a child. Like she wants to bring a child into the world that she can nurture and that she can, you know, leave her mark on in a way that no one would have done for her. And I think that that is where kind of that idea of her wanting to paint that legacy has really started to come to fruition. I think that the entire time, like I think with Istrid, yes, she did love him. He loved her and what they had was actually very special, but I think it was a stepping stone. I don't think that she necessarily even wanted it at that point. I think she's always craved something higher than that and something broader because she's seen the kind of impact that a place like Eratusa can have on people and has seen sort of the impact that those types of broad decisions can make. And I think that in the end, she had two different narratives playing out in her head. She had the narrative of, I'm going to be the wife. I'm going to be, you know, a partner to a person. Or I'm going to be an independent person. And I'm going to take what I need and take what I want. And I'm going to just basically power through my life. And if somebody's there with me to say, like, to share it romantically, then great. If not fucking whatever like i think so that gets to me where they go on the the quest for the dragon later like why she brought that guy in the first place but we can get mm-hmm. we yep. can get no that. and there's there's a lot to unpack with it i really like it mm-hmm. so she's on the beach she's got the baby and like that's kind of the tipping point of her starting to pursue because up until that point i don't think she'd even given a thought to the infertility part right and i think that moment on the beach is where she kind of seizes on this is the empty part that I need to fill. Then. This is the personification of what I've wanted to create this whole time. This is it actually coming to life. So she, after she's in Ada and then she has her time there, she actually goes off the grid and she sets up shop in a town where mages are like not super welcome, but she is essentially, she's going through and working with other mages and like basically trying to buy her way to curing her infertility. One of my favorite lines that she has just one of my favorites overall is when she goes and speaks to this other mage who is trying to like essentially sell her a cure and he tells her that she's a little shy on the money that she's giving him because his prices have gone up and she says i've never been shy a day in my life and that's just like i don't know i just love that line so much and i think it's so true like it's so 
It's so inherently her. She wasn't shy when she met Taseya. She she screamed at her. She was like, fuck it, I don't wanna go. She wasn't shy when she was trying to, you know, prove that she could do magic. She was visibly frustrated in front of other people. She wasn't shy with Istrid at all. I mean, she didn't shy away from him as a person. And now she's just proving that time and time again, she's never shied away from the things that she encounters, which I think is a very powerful thing. And the things she thinks are worth it. Right. Yeah, that's that's definitely it. And I think that's another that's another kind of undertone with her and Taseya is that she's never shied away from Taseya. And I think it's because she does love Taseya. Like this is like a person who is Taseya absolutely changed the course of her life. And for better or for worse, I don't think Yen's ever gonna not deny that acknowledgement. There's a beautiful gift set on Tumblr that it essentially has like the the gifts of like them talking and then like you know the final scene or whatever and it's got the lyrics from for good for wi- from <laughs> and i'm just like i know that's like the- I, knew you, I have been changed so good. for good so good so it's good. not an episode of uh damsels if we're not all singing. so we gotta sing at least a line that's i know <laughs> So she's never been shy, and then they send my. I loved, I loved, loved, loved the scene of the married couple where the like passion's <laughs> not our problem. Like it's a mechanical it's issue. A mechanical I issue. love the way they define that because he's not embarrassed about it, and I love that he brings his wife to talk about his erection problems to another stunningly hot female. Like, can we talk about that masculinity right there? Fuck yeah! yeah. He's like, hey, I want to please my woman. I love her. She loves me, but like, I want to do more for her, and you my shit know. doesn't work. Please come help. That's so fucking cool. Like you just don't see many dudes willing to do that. Like you absolutely. Yeah. And also, that he won't talk owned to up. Me. Like, like that. Just slow clap for the small village man who yeah. just he's got his wife and he loves his life and he yes. whatever fucking secret where they need to meet the giant and like the face on both of them. They're like, we should go. Like I just God, I love it. They're like, we gonna get yes. a fuck on. Yes. Like, good i also haven't been dancing in like a year so this is a safe it's, space. there's a lot of pent up just gotta move it move it i yes. used to get my i used to get that all out at ford madison games so <laughs> i think i was good but i love that in that particular scene like you know that was a freaky couple because of how immediately she came up with the safe word yeah, <laughs> like, that was so good oh my god it was so good <laughs> and yennefer's just like yeah that was a little too fast but Okay, come quantities. <laughs> love it, love it. And then they send the arrest squad. She gets busted. And I always thought that scene at first, the first time I watched it, was like, she's being really passive about this. I would have thought there would have been a lot more fuck you standoffishness from her. And that's when I was like, oh, oh she's, she's just gonna go take over the whole fucking mayor. Never to. mind. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> I love the I love the sign that she has. I didn't put it in the notes here, but the sign that she has on her door. It says correctives, quite effective, whatever the objective. <laughs> I'm just like, well, I mean, it's like, is it she is a major it is. Dr. Seuss? Yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> so when she, uh, when she is arrested, uh, she essentially goes and unseats the mayor. And while she's in the mayor's home, there's a there's a moment where Taseya appears to her, and they kind of have a conversation because she is, Yennefer's starting to kind of rustle some feathers that she should probably not be rustling. She's really trying to find a cure for this ailment when the whole structure of Eretusa is 
basically based on this. find it really interesting that you phrase it as a cure for an ailment. Because, like, I know what you mean, but I, like, to the point of, like, wanting people's choices, like, I don't think she ever refers to it like that. It's a little bit of, she's like, I made this, but, like, I didn't understand, and they knew that I didn't understand, so fuck you, I'm taking it back. I think in my brain, it's because I see it as something temporary for her, and although she never actually gets it back, she does find peace with it later Mm -hmm. in the form of... She proxies. She proxies. Yeah. She does proxy, and but she's able to find peace with it, which I'm getting into the weeds in Cassini. I had. I don't think you know any a part of this. So I, I actually sort of do. Did you Google? Um, not Google. I when I was watching The Witcher, I ended up just like reading up more on the game and the mm-hmm. you know the books and stuff. So she proxies. Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. We're all on the same page. um, Not to derail, but it's like, it's really interesting, like the way that I think we are taught in the modern America to talk like infertility. It's just like a quiet thing that you whisper about and you don't call people out on. And it's like a thing that affects a shit ton of people. Like, oh, yeah. I know so many people that have had their rainbow babies that 100%, like, yeah, we suffered a miscarriage in between kids one and two, or like we had three miscarriages before we were able to make one stake. Like, that's happened to so many people I know. And I think we're just now getting to a point where we can talk about it openly. Mm And I I think it's a little bit of that conditioning where we're taught, it's like, oh, like, it's an ailment. Like, it's, you know, she's working on her infertility. It's like, no, bitch, she had her womb, like, surgically removed. Yeah, yeah, like, Like, literally cut out her There's no, there's no, like, we got to get the tubes going. I was like, no, you don't have the shit to make a baby anymore. And you're trying to get around it with a magical thing. And, like, I think, I just think the way she looks at that is, like, she knows that, like, yeah, I can't actually physically bear a child as is. So we need to do, like, magic womb. And ironically enough, though, it's funny that, like, we're talking about right now how infertility and how miscarriages and things like that are looked at in our society. Yet, like, if you look at how it's looked at in The Witcher, like, Geralt actively says, like, oh, you're looking for this dragon heart because of this crazy infertility treatment that you read about. Like, it is, it seems like it's much more openly discussed. It's much more of like a, yeah, this is just a thing, like, that happens with mages and it's fine. Like, if they're accepting yeah, it, everybody just knows like yeah because mages are infertile and like the layman might not know exactly what goes into that but it's just understood that this is the pro quo like right the magic you don't get the babies right and there's no shame that's again like it's, it's just there's the no shame cast on the baseline about, yeah. yeah it's a trade-off it's no, a trade-off exactly mm-hmm. i was gonna say something about the ailment part where it's like what if the ailment is not necessarily her physical condition but her <laughs> always i'm like but what if it's not the body what if it's the mind Um, no like like, the the emotional ailment of realizing you fucked the fuck up and wanted to fix it yeah and i think like again it's such a parallel to like a woman's choice here versus her choice to actually have a child or to take the power and take the magic and i again it's just the idea of like there are people that don't get to make that choice. Like that choice gets made for them. And so, no, she did not take making that choice lightly when she chose it. She just didn't understand the lasting impact of it. And so, but it's almost, it's almost like if you look at how infertility and, and miscarriages are treated here, if it were set in real life, like would have been a very non-progressive time. When she's talking with Tisea, who is, again, she's, like, approaching her because Tisea says to her, you liked pain. 
And Yennefer responds, I inflict pain. And Tissaia still think there's a difference. And they get like Tissaia sees herself in Yennefer. Uh, she also points out Fringilla's thriving in the If you're Gosh. not careful, you'll become irrelevant. You are pure chaos. And when and says, you're just coming here to ask for my help, to say, how did we get this way? I feel like physically being at Eratusa, just to like pop back over there for a sec, those are people who had everything and were dissatisfied. So I don't know why she thought. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, well, no, I know exactly why she thought. Um, it's again, it's seeing all throughout her life, um, Istrid's words echo. That just gets me in the heart. But that gluttony, the reason why gluttony is so fucking horrible is that there's there's no satisfaction. And I think having female characters who have that insatiable hunger is fucking beautiful because there is an overarching sense of like women need to be happy with what they're given and almost like if not happy with what you're given then just like starving and happy and yeah the idea of Yennefer being like no I want everything and I won't stop until I get it is pretty fucking feminist yeah it's like you said you use the word gluttony I think ambition that is the word that I think is just pure unbridled unadulterated ambition she does not care she just wants it she doesn't care what it is she just fucking wants it and i think that there is something in that that i i truly believe that people are afraid of in women they are afraid for women or people who are not the norm of that white male superior looking you know like wearing the pinstripe suit or whatever like that is that is the image that they've associated with power and yeah. with wealth and with knowledge and with just everything that would be considered a positive attribute and so when somebody says yeah i want all of that too and they're not they don't have a dingle between their leggies like it is <laughs> important to them like that is why like one of the basis of the reason why like i fucking love her so much like i love yennefer so much because she is ambitious she doesn't have a dingle well I mean, <laughs> <laughs> a dingle between their leggies just like it's, it's the power and the authority and the leadership because like it's a dingle like, i mean it's a word and i used it and you're gonna make fun of me about it but you know what kendra Sometimes I say leggies too. So I think the reason I or you can stop reading. I, I, I'm cracking up. The reason I use the word gluttony is like kind of in stark contrast to even just thinking about like the world building of the the Witcher, right? Where like you got your average everyday people in starvation mm -hmm. and like the juxtaposition of people who don't really have a lot um like the physical representation of that versus these mages and kings and monarchs and you know people who have all the things or the the way that women are asked to play small and mm -hmm. small in body small in mind small in power so i i intentionally was like no it's a gluttony because women 
are kind of told like, nah, don't eat. Like you don't, you don't get to, you get to be here and be an ornament and be. Take up as little space as possible so that when I don't want to look at you, I don't have to. Yes. And we never get to go to the buffet and eat as much as we want. We get our allotments. Yes. Don't and go to buffets right now, by the way. Well, yeah, I mean, oh, God. No, please don't. No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it must take you like a million years to edit this episode. And maybe this is post-vaccine world that people are listening to. Oh, my to God. Too. What if this episode... Okay, so when we, re- <laughs> we recorded... Oh, what episode was it that we recorded? One of the episodes we recorded was right before, was like the, right election. before the election. Yes. And I think... Oh, I think it was midsummer because Arielle and I were like what if this comes out and we have a new fucking president? And then I think I released it like a day, like after I had the episode or something. Well, we should have a new president, but you know, fuck the rules. Also, I finally watched it and my God. Yeah. That I, I love the message that you sent me. You were just like, that was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot to watch right before the election too. Kendra still has not seen it. I still haven't seen it. I'm not seeing that until there's so much more said. I don't need to add more anxiety to my life right now. She did uh, suggest though that like we have a midsummer-esque Yeah, do you want to do it? Like Like, Gordy's got a backyard. We can burn some fucking shit. We can make it into a man first and cover it with flowers. And I have a bear onesie or a Chewbacca real Cassini, oh my God. I need to send you the TikTok, the fucking TikTok <laughs> of the people like, oh, okay, I need to send it to you. It's funny. Anyway, hilarious. back on track. Yennefer. Anyways. Then when- Jennifer meets oh, this dude Jennifer. named Gerald Rivera. <laughs> no, legitimately, I could not stop calling Geralt Gerald Rivera. And it's like, <laughs> wait, Jennifer and Gerald Rivera. <laughs> this oh is God. who this is about. Oh my god. I feel like if it were like a Spanish uh, soap opera version of The Witcher. Geraldo. Geraldo and Yennefer. I didn't realize that Jaskier, Jaskier. Jaskier. I did not realize that in the credits he is credited as the, I think it's, is it Dutch? Whatever that word is. It's, it means dandelion. Yeah, because that's his name and the thing, and they just right. like changed it. I was like, I don't know why that was necessary, but okay. I mean, it it sounds it's like better. dandelion, and then some people say it's dandelion. I'm like, I don't actually care either way. Like, you could have put that in the thing, like dandelion. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah like <laughs> yeah, his name is completely changed. It sounds better when people are like trying to ship him and Geralt, because then it's like you've got Geraskier, which is like that sounds way better than like Geralt Ger- is Garandelion. not in any way trying to have sex with that man. <laughs> you should see the memes. Stop it. There's so many memes. Like, I'm here for appropriate shipping, but it was like, you guys have literally had never any chemistry whatsoever. Y'all should fuck in my mind. Write it down. Like, <laughs> the, <laughs> like the Zuko Aang. Yes. Or, or no, oh my gosh. The, the Zuko Sokka. There's so many oh. appropriate <laughs> ships. There was like, now you're just making shit up. Like, no, that doesn't. All right, whatever. With the, with, with the revival of Avatar Last Airbender, like, the shippers for like Sokka and Zuko came out fucking swinging it was insane and they like the worst part is that they like tear down the zutara shippers constantly i'm just like no leave me alone none of us make any sense no none of us make any sense because what they wanted to siblings it's fine it's fine it's a show it's oh and it's like 100 go like write your fanfics by all means but when people start getting like mad at me when i'm like yeah i don't believe that would be a couple that would happen and they get like legitimately offended i was like y'all like you guys did it with harry potter like fucking stop! Ginny Weasley is not fucking Draco Malfoy. I don't care how hard you try to oh, make really? that happen. All stop the ones it! That I get are Hermione and Draco. It's both. Fetch isn't okay. happening. I don't. I don't literally, know. again, if you're punching somebody in the face in canon, it's really hard for me to like. Oh, and then later we banged. Like no, like Hermione loathes make Draco Malfoy. Like stop it. <laughs> 
anyway. True. And he's also racist. So against her, against like her. What's <laughs> there's no way. Oh man. Okay. So, anyways, but that's all the more reason Hermione should have been black, but. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, oh. there is a slam poetry bit about Hermione Granger should have been a black girl that is fucking phenomenal. And I was just like sitting here like, I am here for this. Like, please go make the movies over, read you the movies, put it back. Like, uh Oh yeah. So when Yennefer is off the grid, um, she actually is again, she's at this mayor's house. She's like unseated the mayor, she's taken over his home, she's throwing orgies fabulous orgies they look very enjoyable uh and also what is her safe word she she i don't remember but oh like it's hilarious fuck i cannot remember for the life of me and it's gonna bug me now it's something absolutely ridiculous and i'm i might just google it yennefer's safe word during orgy this is gonna look really bad no it's not not. are you kidding me you act like your search history was like yeah you've looked this up before bitch Ragamuffin. <laughs> Didn't even see it on here, but I just remembered it out of the blue. Her safe word is ragamuffin. I mean, that's well, not thing you say accidentally. I mean. Mine's porcupine. I don't, we don't have a safe word. That's bold. It's bold, yeah. Because out of everybody I know, you're probably the one who needs it the most. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So anyways. Yes. Uh essentially this is where she and Geralt meet so Geralt has come to this town because he was told that there's a powerful mage that lives there uh that can help him because Jaskier has actually fallen victim to the wish of a djinn uh that has gone wrong and he is I guess something is happening to like have his throat torn out from the inside or something very strange yeah like the gin like it's like a magical attack where he's like coughing up blood and bleeding and yeah. like because they think that at that point yaskier has control of the gin yes so there's like shit i gotta save yeah. him we have to transfer like ownership quote-unquote of the gin and that's where yennefer is just like oh i can save your friend slurp gin power like she went home was like yeah let me do this nice thing for you i'm gonna save your friend like subplot intensifies she put her straw in that smoothie so hard and the like one of my favorites is just the fact that so do we all remember the reason why that Geralt was looking for the gin in the first place he needed a good night's sleep it wasn't just the sleep though because he couldn't sleep it wasn't just the sleep. That's what he kept saying, is he couldn't sleep. It wasn't just the sleep. There was something underneath it. Cassini, did you glean this at all? What did we I not glean, have, Liz? It's not at the forefront of my mind because it's been a little bit. I, okay, this is my theory. But I think that it's because of the dreams that he's been having of the girl in the woods. And he wants to find out more. So oh, Yeah. Can, trying to basically figure it out because he's been told by like 14 random fucking people the girl in the woods is your destiny you must find her he thought that the girl like it was very much alluded to in the first episode that the girl in the woods who is his destiny was Renfrey. it was very much alluded to that until like the very last few minutes of the first episode which i i totally respect i love it when shows throw crazy angles at you like, like that legitimate red herring Exactly. Um, But I think that he's really trying to figure out more and like, why is this person his destiny? He's never really had a destiny before. He was just made to create and, or he was created to- Oh, cheese, Rick. He never had a destiny. 
see Rick. Oh, geez. Oh, oh man, my- Rick. Yeah, that I need to see <laughs> the cross over between Witcher and <laughs> Rick and Morty. Oh I need God. to. So essentially, they they go to see Yennefer, who is this powerful mage that can help them with the gin, um, the gin wish. And it's like Kendra said, she is actually trying to harness the power of the gin herself so that she can get her fertility but then back. she also, I love, that is the first scene I have ever seen, like, a strong, very much, like, that is a dude who can take care of himself, like, Geralt in no way in that moment is compromised other than, like, fuck, I have to save Yaskier. So we see Geralt put in this, you have to admit that you care about Yaskier mm-hmm. because she's basically saying, I'm not helping unless you fuck me. Mm-hmm. Which he, it's not like, you know, he's a, opposed to it because we've seen him in bed with a couple people at this point, one of which was just like a brothel person. And like- A brothel person? A brothel, like, it's just like some big titty girl from the brothel. She's is that not? Like, just a, like, I don't know, prostitute seems like a strong word. Sex like, worker. We use she sex just, worker. She's a sex worker. Like, so he wakes up in bed with this girl that he's clearly paid for. And it's like fine, and there's no stigma there, and he doesn't treat her badly for it. But that's the first yeah. time we've seen Geralt. And he's like, I feel a little whore out right now. Yeah. Am I willing to whore myself out for my friend? And that's like, it's really an interesting dynamic when she has all the power, and they're both smoking hot. So it's not like, oh, I have to let this decrepit like Gollum fuck me or anything. But like, <laughs> each their own. You know, you do you. But like, it's like clearly there's no physical barrier there. They're both attractive people, and I don't think they find each other unattractive. But it's that initial power struggle where he has to come to her and ask a favor for a person that he pretends he doesn't actually like all that much most of the time mm-hmm. and it's just interesting that whole bathtub scene does. i thought was really cool yeah and it was also very beautifully shot ah, i love i love it gosh. when she tells him to turn around and then he like is trying to glean an image of her in the mirror and, and she you get just, just like, enough to be like yeah it's good you don't get to get this she yet. just she yeah she just shuts it on him and he's like that's cheating like, <laughs> No, and like when, like how he starts off, like, oh, fine, like I'm gonna play into this girl's fantasy, and then by the end of it, he's mildly offended that she no longer wants to sleep with him, or she's like, uh, "Your excuse, like, never mind, this isn't as interesting as I thought it was gonna be," and he's like offended. And I'm just, like, yeah. I love seeing when the rest of like, I didn't actually want her to have sex with me, but it's different when she doesn't want to have sex with me anymore. It's not me making that no decision. Oh yeah, like, oh yeah. Christina, you looked like you were gonna say something. No, I got a phone call, oh. <laughs> and I didn't want to like kill the flow. Oh, it's fine. Um, but I also was gonna say something okay. because, first of all, I'm gonna just say that she's fucking hot. Yes, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I thought that was obvious. I thought we all yeah. have a huge lady boner for you. Yeah, no, yes, <laughs> absolutely, like stunning human being. I've needed to now to get that out of the way. <laughs> gotta give her the sploosh. Yes. <laughs> The way that Yennefer navigates sexuality is just so... That was probably one of the things that struck me about her. Because, yeah, it, yeah from, like, the orgy scene to, like, hey, so you're a means to an end. Give me my baby, Geralt. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like, even the way that they shot it, like... I don't know if they used an intimacy coordinator for this. I, I know that a lot more sets are using intimacy coordinators, which I really, really love to create safe spaces to engage sex and sexuality on a set with like people around you and making sure that it's being done responsibly. But those scenes were just shot in such a way. I don't necessarily want to say like respectfully, but like I, I at no point in time felt like 
it detracted from the overall goal. Like it didn't feel like needless nudity, needless sex. Yeah, it was just like never objectified. It was yeah, her, it's just like testing the waters like do i want to seduce you or not and i just love that like that's where she's at is like i choose whether or not i'm going to seduce you and you sit there and you be pretty until i decide if you're worthy yeah like it's yeah. so well done and like that's the first time i feel like Geralt's ever been in that position because he's that super ripped heroic like even when he's standoffish about it like he's used to being like pursued and he's never had anybody like kind of crack the lid and be like Never mind putting you back in the fridge and like heating up a different leftover. Like he's like, what? Excuse me. Like, it reminds me quite a bit of like the contrast that I like to draw between like haunting of Bly Manor's um, depiction of of queer couples versus like Ryan Murphy's depictions of queer couples, where it's like a like a lot of what Ryan Murphy does. It's just like needless, wanton, lustful sex. It's not the actual heart of the relationship. Where in Bly Manor, you have this queer couple who is navigating queerness, first of all, through the 80s, which is like a hard time to navigate it through through it anyways. But then you also just have the way that their relationship is depicted. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, they fuck, but there's no reason that we have to just like base their relationship visually around that. Like the, the moments that you remember the most are like the tender moments where they're literally just talking to each other or like the glances that they give each other. It's like, why do we have to have a representation of a romantic couple that is just straight up depicted as sexual in nature? Whereas this is almost kind of like laughing in the face of that. It's saying like, you see all the times where these couples just like meet and then they fuck. And then it's like, here's all this, you know, sort of casual sex depictions that bloom into romance because that's where it has to go in the end or else everyone's going to get mad. But then you see this, this couple who essentially it's like, I mean, they played with each other a little bit at first. It's like a, it's, it was like a cat kind of going in for it its was, kill. It was like uh like audible foreplay almost yeah it was in one of my so one of the moments where essentially there's a power struggle going on because the djinn is trying to get uh whoever is commanding it to ask for its last Do wish let me the fuck go exactly and it is possessed um or it is trying to possess yennefer and she's on the floor and she's oh, no, like... Because like at this point, they don't know. They really still think it's Yaskir. And that, oh, at this yeah. point, like Yaskir... Like they do some shit where she basically like mind fucks Geralt. And so he wakes up having like done all this shit. And so he wakes up in jail. Yeah, she Because she wanted him out of the yeah. way when she realized like, hey, I can't actually account for you. And yes. I don't know how you're going to play this. And I need you out of the way. Yes. So she just sidelines him in a beautiful way. And it's just like, I love... She just like... Boop, you're in jail now. He like wakes way. up in a stockade and like he only realizes that he's the one who commanded the gym. Because he was about to get fucked up and just said something nasty to the jailer. Yeah, and he's like, I just like wish he would fucking burst. And then his head just explodes. And then he's like, Oh, awesome. I have the gin. So if it weren't for that miscalculation based on the like the, what she was told, mm -hmm. that plan would have gone off without a hitch. Right. And I love Which that, he like, also doesn't acknowledge later. Like he does, he like tries to call her out on it, but like honestly, it was kind of a really smart plan. If I know how gins work. Okay. So he rushes back. Yaskir is now free of the gin because she's transferred it from what she thinks. She's trying to transfer the power from him. And he wakes up and is like, oh, we're naked in bed. Did we do that thing? <laughs> yes. You're okay. very scary. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Yes. He says that. He's like, definitely did not butter that biscuit. Oh my God. And then. Because when... he's terrified of her. And Yaskir is like, 
kind of a little bit of a floozy when it comes to stuff like that. There are oh, yeah. stories of him like seducing these noblemen's wives and I'm a bar and I sing so pretty. And he wakes up like, Jesus Christ, you're so hot and so scary. And please tell me I didn't because. <laughs> and then he, uh, and then she's like, oh, like sing for us to like prove that you're, you know, like your voice is back. And he's like, toss a coin. Valley of penis. Oh gosh. It's like my favorite. So he comes flying out, and at that point, Geralt is completely off the hook. Mm-hmm. He has accomplished what he wanted. He's only interacted with her for literally the hallway entryway, where she said, like, basically was like, "Hey, like, I'd like to tag that. Go, 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 take a bath because you stink." The bathtub scene, and that's it. Like, yeah. That's literally just about it. Like he confronts her a little bit in the bedroom when she puts the spell on him, and he passes out. And so when he is meeting Yaskier at the door, and he can just see shit's about to go wrong in this mansion. Like, there's that moment, which I think is really interesting, because that's pre, the like, Jin coming into it, that's pre-anything. Like, he decides to go back in for her. Mm-hmm. For really no reason other than, like, he kind of recognizes, like, almost a kindred spirit in the, like, game oh, you don't like, game. people don't like to tell you what to do. I don't like people to fuck with me. Like, I don't have a destiny because I don't like the idea of being preordained to have to do something. I think that it's him fighting against this nature that has been thrown on him for his whole life. He's been told his entire life that, like, he doesn't feel human emotion and that he's just a monster. And it's now he's seeing, okay, well, this this woman, she actually doesn't help regardless well, of she's how not much really of a human she is. Not necessarily. I mean, she's... In, in the same kind of way where, like, hey, you're not a normal human, and I feel like that's a connection that he makes. I don't know, outside of Witchers, how many other people he's interacted with like that. But he sees her as not saving, but a little bit of a re- repositioning on her path. Like, he needs to get out of She's saving from herself in that moment. And so, when she's on the floor, she has this, like, one of my favorite thing lines. Everything line again when she's like topless and writhe. It's like it's mm-hmm. kind of that harken back yeah, to when she yeah. ascended and the jinn. It's fighting is not actually free. Trans yeah, like, picks onto another person. He's like t- out of her essentially, and like she says, true transformation is painful. And Geralt is there to save her, and she says, "You heroic protecting my success so long as you command it yourself." Fuck, and she's just like, "It's gonna be my choice," you know. And then the next episode starts with like Geralt, and like they literally don't touch on. The aftermath of that scene, which I thought was really, really interesting. They're like, and then like Bruce broke up, and it's like two years later because that's the way time works in the show. Yes. And so she goes off on her own for a little bit. Yes. And then this is where we get to the quest, which I did put a sidetrack in here because I don't know if we'll actually ever get to like some minor, minor characters, but we need to talk about Borch and Taya and Vea because they are the fucking best. <laughs> at the beginning of last week when Liz was like we're only going to talk about Yennefer and it's literally in notes like <laughs> I mean I have this characters specifically in the notes essentially Borch also known as Valentrenmurth Valentrenmurth fucking Val dragon names um he is actually a dragon which we don't know that we don't find this out on Twitter but he is a dragon who walks around with these two walks around that's literally all he was walk um he ventures around with these two beautiful badass loyal to a fault female warriors tia and vea and they are fierce loyal fun protectors to the point where when he falls off the side of a cliff they jump off the side of the they're like okay bye bye and there is a point where 
he knows this is this was what was so interesting to me about Borch is that he knows things. I don't know if that's like a power that dragons have or what. But just knowing shit. I mean, you've lived enough centuries and you just kind of figure shit out. (laughs) So he he tells Geralt before he dies, Sir Witcher, you will save us yet, but first you must let go. Basically just referring to him letting them go, but also letting go of other things too. When he is talking about Yennefer though this is like I think a line that goes under the radar for a lot of people because it only got to me like the fourth time I had seen this episode he mentions that maybe Nilfgaard should have been tempered earlier and he kind of hints that he knows that Yennefer was supposed to go to Nilfgaard and now that it's been Frangilla it's been allowed to grow into this like zealot like mm-hmm. MAGA freaking like anybody who's not us is against us oh they are absolutely the maga hat wearers of 100 percent. and so it sort of kind of is the first time at least that i ever noticed that that blame is just being dropped onto yennefer completely is it it blame or is it him pointing out that like yeah you can blaze your own path and you can use your chaos to to change things but like there is going to be repercussions for that yeah this is is what you're so much is like pointing out that like for every action there is going to be a consequence regardless if you make a decision or not i'm so glad that you guys like actually point out when i use words that i didn't actually mean to use It's honestly like because no, then I'm just like a little bit of connotation. And like sometimes maybe that's the word you meant it to use. And like I've for me, tried, I just took it a little different. I've tried to be a walking thesaurus my entire life, and like it gets hard. So it gets exhausting. Yeah, sometimes. you're you're getting old, Liz. Welcome to almost thirty. So I think we'll just leave off here for now, and we will pick up again with the dragon and kind of everything that comes with the finale of the show, which I really want to cover in depth. But I want to say thank you very much to Cassini for being here today. You are so much appreciated. And we look forward to you joining us next time. And Kendra, you too. Always. Thank you. And Yeah. And thank you guys so much for following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr. We don't have a Tumblr. Just kidding. Facebook, Instagram, Patreon. What are all the social medias? We're on Every social them. media we have. All right. Like and subscribe. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.